Paraguay is El Corazón, or the heart of South America. It's one of only two landlocked countries in that continent, and it's bordered by Argentina, Bolivia, and Brazil. With a landmass the size of the state of California, Paraguay has only 7 million people. Most of the population live in larger cities due to much of the country being swampy and difficult to farm. The capital city of Asuncion lies on the western border with Argentina and has a population of roughly 2 million people. Agricultural exports of beef, soybeans, stevia, and corn are a large part of the country's economy. All of Paraguay's electricity is produced by two hydroelectric power projects, including the Itaipu Dam, which is the world's second largest hydroelectric dam. XX production is then exported to surrounding countries. Interestingly, Paraguayans believe that they should not have to pay for this natural electricity and will often protest by blocking roads and disrupting traffic. While the average monthly minimum wage is 2 million Guaranis, or about 340 US dollars, the cost of living is often comparable to the United States. The financial disparity is striking, with many living in abject poverty, while nearly 50% of the national income is held by the top 10% of the population. Most of the Paraguayan population are mestizos, or mixed ethnicities. The original inhabitants of the country were the Guarani Indians. However, for most of its history, it has been home to many immigrants. Much of the cultural heritage can be traced to the extensive intermarriage between Spanish settlers and the indigenous Guarani Indian women. As a result, there are two national languages spoken in Paraguay, Spanish and Guarani. Most Paraguayans in the city speak a mix mixture of both languages called Jopara. Guarani is a very beautiful but challenging language with no similarities to Spanish. The people are warm and friendly and the culture is rich, but spiritual darkness pervades. Approximately 90% of Paraguayans claim the Catholic religion. The Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses are also very active claiming another 3%. Charismatics and other Protestant churches are also prolific. In the capital region, there are only four biblically sound independent Baptist churches. My name is Jim Showers, and I'm standing in the sanctuary of my sending church, Victory Baptist of Milton, Florida. Along with my wife, Carrie, our son, Matthew, and our daughters, Sophia and Amelia, we serve as missionaries in Paraguay, South America, with the blessing of our pastor, Tim Fallour. My name is Tim Fallour. I'm the pastor of Victory Baptist Church in Milton, Florida, and it is our privilege to be the sending church for the Jim Showers family to Paraguay. I have watched Brother Showers in the seven years that I've known him. I have watched him grow and the Lord stretch him in so many ways. I've watched him develop as a missionary. He's been one term in Paraguay, done a fantastic job helping two churches that are already established, helping another missionary start a new work, teaching in the Bible Institute. The thing that I like about Brother Showers is that he will get up every single day and go to work as a missionary. And I appreciate that. It is a privilege for our church to be the sending church for them. And if you're looking for a good investment, you can do no better than the Jim Showers family in Paraguay. My wife and I surrendered to God's call to be full-time missionaries at our home church's missions conference in 2013. Upon raising our support, our family spent eight months in Oaxaca, Mexico, while I attended language school. My wife was a missionary kid and already fluent in Spanish. We arrived in Paraguay in January 2017 for our first term and live in the capital city of Asuncion. We've worked with a national pastor in two established churches while I grew in my ability to speak Spanish and while our family learned the culture. I have been privileged to teach and preach in both churches as well as teaching a New Believers Discipleship course and Old Testament survey in the Paraguay Baptist Bible Institute alongside another American missionary. 
Using men from the Bible Institute, our family has helped establish the Living Water Baptist Church in the town of Arroyos y Esteros, Paraguay, which is about two hours north of the capital city. Carrie has been teaching children Sunday school, been involved in church music, and been leading two weekly ladies' Bible studies in addition to keeping our home and homeschooling our children. Our goal as missionaries is to evangelize, disciple, plant Bible-believing churches, and train Paraguayan men and women to reach their own country. Upon our return to Paraguay in May of 2020, I will continue to teach in the Paraguay Baptist Bible Institute as well as plant a new independent Baptist church somewhere in the capital region. Would you pray with us that the Lord would lead us to the area that He wants us to minister, that souls would be saved and lives would be changed by the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ? Would you pray for our family as we seek to glorify God and minister in the capital of Asuncion? Would you please pray for the Showers family? about the handheld microphones. Faith Baptist Church, God bless you. And thank you for being in a family that in a very, a part of our family, but in a very real way, a family that feeds my family in Paraguay. My wife and I would like to sing just a, a one verse of a song in, in uh, it's called Only the Power of God. We're going to sing it in Spanish, and we're going to sing it in that, in that very difficult language of Guarani. And then we're going to say it in English and so that everyone understands only the power of God. And the reason we're doing this is we want to illustrate for you, to show you the two languages there and, and perhaps help you to understand the difficulty in learning two languages. The other thing, and this is really important, it's our heart. I have a, they have a saying, a few missionaries in, Mar in Paraguay have a saying, that the people speak Spanish, but their heart is Guarani. And if you want to reach the Paraguayan people, at least on some level, you have to speak the Guarani language. Now, we do that with, with uh, greetings and salutations and prayers and things like that, but we don't speak Guarani. And the truth is that we'll likely never speak Guarani. But we're also, and this is, again, very important, we're encouraging the people to translate hymns and to eventually write their own hymns into their heart language of Guarani. And so we would like to uh, uh, sing this song for you. And I hope it'll be a blessing and encouragement to you. <clears throat> Solo el poder de Dios puede cambiar tu ser. La prueba yo te doy. Él me ha cambiado a mí. No ves que soy feliz siguiendo al Señor. Nueva criatura soy, nueva soy. Sheruva gapegua, tuisha wisheraihu, taura ombou, sherova sahagua, pekuru surehe. Only the power of God can change who you really are. The proof I give you now 
He truly changed my heart. I'm happy now, you see. Following Christ, my Lord, I am a new creation. New I am. Well, amen, Faith Baptist Church. God bless you. I already said this, but you have in a very real way, in the last four-plus years, uh, sustained and fed my family, not just with prayers and not just with support, but just good memories. And Brother Ancy uh, uh, told the story of how we came to be a part of the, the missionary family of this church. And there's folks in here, there's folks in here who, like I say, in a very real way, have been feeding my family. And I, and I, and I, and I praise the Lord for you, and I pray that God will bless you for your faithfulness to us. Uh, kind of funny, I got a little, another, another little, uh, a little faith, church, faith Baptist Church connection here. Uh, when we were here, we met the Pike family, and we got to be, uh, I just think that Brother Rich and I just hit it off and just became friends, and, and God put a, put a knit our hearts together a little bit in just a few days, and, and uh, Miss Lisa, if you're watching this, I want you to know that we're praying for you. But I had lunch, Carrie and I had lunch with the Carriers over in Pensacola the other day, Leslie and Stephen, and, and uh, it was kind of funny, I, I, I didn't realize this, of course I knew that I knew Leslie, but uh, I didn't realize that I'd actually met Stephen Carey in Paraguay. He came down there on a survey trip a few years ago, and another missionary contacted me, and I invited him out to lunch downtown. So I'd actually met Brother Stephen, and uh, a couple days ago in Pensacola, he reminded me all that. And we got to talk, and it was really funny. I'm going to tell you a funny story. You may not even think this is funny. But uh, I'm just, you know, having just learned a language here recently, uh, uh, and I, I, you know, I, I've been studying Spanish for some years. I speak Spanish fairly fluently. I do pretty well. And then there's that Leslie Carrier. Good night, Dad. So I said to her, I said, Leslie, I know where are you going to go to language school? And so she told me about it and everything. I said, I said, uh, Leslie, you know that, uh, well, I'll tell you exactly what I said. Good night, Leslie. That, that Georgia's heavy on you. <laughs> I, just, I just imagine Leslie speaking Spanish after I have to learn that down there. But uh, I believe, of course, that uh, I have faith in, in, in their calling that God will prepare them and go. Uh, just that funny story. Uh, uh, the accent, I'm a Yankee, all right, as you can probably tell. Um, but that, that George was strong on her. <laughs> God bless her. Listen, I'm going to be in Acts chapter 26 tonight, and I'm gonna, uh, I would like to just accomplish a couple of things in the, in the, in the time that I have uh, to preach to you, to testify, to tell you a little bit about our ministry, to elaborate a little bit on what our video has done. It's Sunday, and this is the day that God's people, or God has set aside for his people to rest and so you heard preaching this morning, and Pastor kind of gave me the subject of his, of his message this morning, and I, and, and I sure appreciate that, this, that, uh, that passage out of Ezekiel. And uh, you've been fed some today, but here's the truth. This is your, really your only day to really rest and really be fed up. And so I pray that, I, that, that our preaching tonight will be an encouragement to you and a strengthener for you and give you something that you can use and, because, you know, well, you're going back out in that world tomorrow. Whether you go to school or work or you're just going to the library to sit and use the internet, whatever you're going to do, you're going back out in that world tomorrow. And that world will make you dirty and that world will tire you out. And so I hope that we'll, we'll be able to give you something that I'm preaching tonight, something practical that you can use and something that'll, that'll encourage you. Of course, I want to teach you something more about the Showers family. You know, my goal is to burden you, an individual Christian. My, my goal is to burden you more to pray for the Showers family. My, go, my goal is to, is to burden you to pray for Paraguay. You understand, there's 7 million people in Paraguay. Seven million people, and that may not sound like that many. Seven million people. 
over 90% of whom claim the Catholic religion, whether they be cultural Catholics or real religious Catholics, you understand that 90% of them believe the prison religion that is the Catholic Church. The Mormons, the Jehovah's Witnesses, the Charismatic Churches, those churches that are down there teaching people wrong. They're teaching people a heresy. It's a prison religion that teaches that there's something that you can do, that there's some work that you can perform. There's some sacrament that you must, you must achieve. There's, these, there's a, a man in Rome that you can listen to, that there's a church tradition that you can follow. In addition to the word of God, you understand they teach the direct, the exact opposite of the truth. The truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ is simple. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. You understand that salvation comes of the Lord. It's by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, meaning we're not created by good works. We're created unto good works. But the Catholic religion and those cult religions down there don't teach that, and they lead people astray. And so... What we do in a very real way is simply tell people the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to tell you the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. And now you know this truth. If you're saved here tonight, you know this truth. It's inside you. But the truth is simple. The truth is that you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. I was a sinner. I'm still a sinner. I was a sinner. But God loved me so much. The separation for eternity, the, the death and punishment and literal hell, burning and eternal hellfire for all eternity is real. God loves me so much that he did not want that for me. And so he made a way through the sinless son, his sinless son, Jesus Christ, to come to earth. God manifest in the flesh to come to earth for 33 perfect sinless years so that he could live that life and die that death, be buried in that horrible grave, be raised again. He was seen of many hundreds of people for about 40 days, and then he ascended to the right hand of the Father, where he ever liveth to make intercession for me and for you. And the heart of that gospel, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, is it. That's all. It's the simple gospel. And it's a gospel that needs to be accepted by faith, the faith of a small child. It's simple, it's easy. No works, no papa in Rome, no, no, no labors that I can perform, no sacraments, no church membership, no nothing. And so if it, it, I want to equip you today. I want to give you something that you can use. And the, the, the thing that I want to give you that you can use is, is related in a real way to the gospel, the simple gospel that I just preached. And, and, and I, I try to say this, some version of what I'm about to tell you in every church that I go to. But it's a real honor to stand in this pulpit. You know, Brother Yancey doesn't know me that well. And he's given me the honor and the privilege to stand in this pulpit. And it's no small thing. When you have the charge over God's people to allow another man to stand in your pulpit is a huge big deal. And, and I'm standing in your pulpit tonight. And I have, in a small way, the charge over God's people, at least for this hour. And it'd be real easy for me to be full of myself. I got this cool double ear boom microphone that they give me tonight. I know some folks here. But I don't believe that I'm anything special before God. I don't believe that I have any special gifts or anything that I have to offer, anything more than any one of you in here. But I believe this. I believe that God wants to use my story for his glory. God wants to use my story for his glory. He wants to use your story for, for his glory. God wants to use our stories to bring us ultimate joy, to bring, but to bring him ultimate glory. God wants to use your story for his glory. Now, that's a, that's a cliche. I got that off a T-shirt or a coffee cup or a bumper sticker or something like that. But good night, Christian. That's true. God wants to use your story for his glory. He's got a purpose for you. He's got something that he wants you to do. Brother Yancey alluded to that. 
when he pointed at that map over there. Do you know, Christian, if you're saved here tonight, when you were saved, at the moment of your salvation, God's will for that part of your life had been worked out. And he could have translated you straight to heaven in the way that he did Enoch. He could have carried you to heaven in a chariot of fire the way he did Elijah. But he didn't. And God left you here. And he left you here for a reason. A lot of Christians struggle with that. Yes, we're here to worship. We're here to, 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 to do lots and lots and lots of things for the Lord. But you understand that the, the heartbeat of God is missions. The heartbeat of God is evangelism. The heartbeat of God, the reason that he left you here is to stay here and execute that great commission. The commandment that, that, that we are under this day is the great commission. All right? And so a lot of Christians really struggle with that. It's like, well, that's the purpose of my life. But it, uh, the difficulty that a lot of Christians face is they don't know what to do. They, 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 they've, they've heard that, and they, they understand that, but they, they don't work in the field. They don't accomplish that great will that God has for their lives. Listen, I want you to understand this. At the moment that God saved you, he gave you every last thing that you need to serve him in the field, to serve him in the Great Commission, to do that great thing that he has left you here for. At the moment of your salvation, you understand that the Holy Spirit of God indwelt your heart. He is your conscience now. He is the Holy Spirit of God. He is God in you. He is God there to interpret the scriptures for you, to lead you into all truth, to hold you back from those things that you shouldn't do, to give you a push and a shove to the things that you should do. He's there to be a comforter for you. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. But he didn't just give you his Holy Spirit. You understand that he also gave you his Holy Word. And so now you've got an every word Bible in your hand. You have the word of God in your hand. Everything that God wants you to say is in this book. And so you've got the Holy Spirit of God in your heart. You've got the holy book in your hand. And you've got the holy story to tell. You have everything that you need. You understand that you have a salvation testimony. You may not remember the date, and you may not remember the precise exact uh, uh, situation in the words, but you understand that you have a testimony. You can testify to God's goodness in your life. You can testify to the change that God has wrought in you. You can testify to all of that thing. And in your story is the holy story, the holy story that the death and the burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, the burial in that tomb, that resurrection is enough to accomplish salvation for sinners like you and me. You understand that you have everything that you need to do that very thing that God left you here on this earth to do. And the last step, the only step, the only thing that you must do now, Christian, believer, equipped, saint who has everything, is take that volitional step of surrender and say, I'll do it. I'll go. I'll speak. I'll pass out that tract. I'll go to that place. I'll give that money. I'll go. I'll do that thing. And so tonight is a, is, a, is, a, is a way to just elaborate upon my own ministry, about my own country in Paraguay, and about my own family, and to encourage you and strengthen you and perhaps give you something that you can use and, and to hug you from the Showers family. Let me give you something as you're recharging from the week, as you're preparing to go back out there on Monday. Let me give you something that you can use to accomplish that thing that God left you here for. And so in a very real way, I'm doing that by just simply giving you my testimony. But you understand that we may not simply be talking about my testimony because you have a testimony. You've got the Holy Spirit in your heart. You have the Holy Book in your hand. And you have the Holy Story on your lips. And so here's my testimony. My testimony is this. I'm a sinner. And I was 35 years old when I got saved. You know, many of you in this church, God bless you if you have this testimony. My wife has this testimony. She was saved at a very young age. 
She lived in a Christian home. She had good parents. They took her to church. She heard the gospel. She had Sunday school. She had all those things. And my wife heard the gospel at a young age and believed. And she believed with that simple childlike faith that I talked about. The simple childlike faith that accepts the truth about themselves. I'm a sinner. But God loves me. See, that's real. But I didn't have a simple childlike faith. And I was a sailor stationed down at NAS Pensacola in, in Pensacola, Florida. And, and a, a, a friend, of my, a good friend of mine, I just talked to him last week, a good friend now witnessed to me and testified to me and offered me tracts and invited me to church. And I said no. And I said no. And I said no. And I said no. And uh, to my shame, I even remember saying filthy things to kind of shock him to see if, because Phil was a Christian and Phil had a good testimony for the Lord. And just to see if I could just upend him a little bit. And I'm, I'm ashamed of myself today, still thinking about that 20 years later. But Phil persevered, and, and uh, the Lord was working on my heart anyway. And Phil invited another man named Jimmy Goldberg to, to, to church. And Jimmy had, it's a long story, but, but Jimmy had gotten right with the Lord there at church. He'd been saved at a young age. But Jimmy then was giving me his testimony and shocking everybody. This shocks me. This is 20 years now, okay? And, 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 and in a very real way, this still shocks me, still surprises me. My reaction to Jimmy's testimony was to reach out and physically grab him by the arm and say, take me with you. And he did. And on December the 7th of 1999, I heard at the campus church in Pensacola, Christian College in Pensacola, Florida, a, a clear presentation of the gospel for the first time that I can ever remember in my life. It's the simple gospel that I'm a sinner, but that God loves me so much that he does not want to be separated from eternally, me eternally. He does not want me to be spiritually dead. He wants me to be reunited with him in heaven for all eternity. The simple truth is that I just had to accept that simple truth about myself, and I wrestled with that. Oh, that was hard. Oh, that was so hard. Because I see, you don't accept that with the simple faith. You don't accept that with the simple faith of a child. I had the wrestling non-faith of a 35-year-old man. That was hard. It was so hard. And I said things to myself like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not that bad of a guy. I never killed anybody. I never did any of those things. You know, I, uh, I don't even speed in my car that much. I'm not, I'm not a bad guy. And I didn't get saved. And I rejected the gospel. But I knew I was in the right place. And because I knew I was in the right place, I came back to church the next Sunday. And the next Sunday, and then I, the pastor duped me with, with uh, he, he tricked me. He said, hey, man, that message is really good. And if you want to hear the second part of this, you've got to come back tonight. So I went to church on Sunday night. And it was kind of a natural thing to go on Wednesday night. Next thing you know, I'm a church going for about two months there, going strong. I was, I was pretty faithful. Folks said I was very faithful for an unsaved man. But I wasn't saved. And I even got invited to a, to a singles retreat. You ever been to a singles retreat? And they prayed for me, and they witnessed to me, and they're good folks, and they love me. And I didn't get saved. But I did meet a pretty girl. And now i got a new problem, okay? Not only am I unsaved, but there's this pretty girl, and she won't date me because I'm not saved, all right? And she wouldn't date me, but she did get a burden for me. And so on February the 19th of the year 2000, just a couple months after I first went to church, I found myself sitting in a Starbucks coffee in a Barnes & Noble bookstore on Airport Road in Pensacola, Florida. And that girl got a burden for me, and she got out her Bible, and she told me, she said, Jim, <clears throat> uh, I believe that God has given me a verse of Scripture that I want to share with you, and I would like to, to, uh, to, to, to share it with you because I believe it describes you. And she shared Acts 26 and verse 28. So we'll turn to Acts 26. If you're not already there, Acts 26 and verse 28, and this is Paul speaking. And then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost, oh, I'm sorry, we're going to, uh, let's do the scripture reading. I'm sorry about that. We're going to read Acts chapter 26. Let's stand for the, for the reading of God's word. 
And uh, I love that tradition. And so Acts chapter 26, in verse 22, I'm going to read down through verse number 28. I'm going to read the scripture, and then I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to finish my message. Acts chapter 26, in verse 22, the Bible says this, Paul speaking, Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both the small and great, saying none other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come, that Christ should suffer, and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. And as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. But he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him, for this thing was not done in a corner. King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you, and we praise you, Father, for your goodness, for your holiness, for your great love for us. We praise you most of all for the Lord Jesus Christ and for your desire that we be saved and live with you forever. And so I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would strengthen me as I preach, that you would encourage Christians through this message, this message, and you would give folks something that they could use. And if there's one here who does not know Christ as Savior, I pray that this would be the night, that all that tonight, this would be the night, this would be the day of salvation for someone in this room. More than anything, Father, help us to lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. He will draw all men unto him, and we know that promise is true. And so I pray this in his name, and amen, amen. So I sat there in that bookstore, and she'd shared that verse of scripture with me, and then Agrippa said unto Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And I sat there in that moment, gripped. I sat there under the, under, so I recognize that feeling. It's, a, it's, it's almost a physical, a visceral feeling of, of conviction. If you've ever found yourself under the, the heavy thumb of the Holy Spirit, you'll know what I'm talking about. And I found myself sitting in that bookstore all wrestling. And God might have my heart ready to, 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 to do the next thing. See, I, 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 she might have shared that verse of scripture with me in any other day, and it might have meant nothing to me. But that night, my heart was ready to ask the next question. And the next question is, okay, what happens to Agrippa? Because if Agrippa is almost persuaded to be a Christian, and Jim Showers is almost persuaded to be a Christian, that presumably whatever happens to Agrippa is also going to happen to Jim Showers. Does that make sense? And so I, I, I asked the next question, and so I, I got myself home that night. I was so torn about this, and, and I got myself, uh, 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 well, I'll just tell you. I asked the next question, and so let me tell you what happened to Agrippa, all right? And in doing that, let me give you my testimony of salvation, because this verse speaks directly, and this passage speaks directly into my testimony. Now, you know that Acts chapters 24, 5, and 6 work together as a unit, and they really, they detail Paul's captivity, all right, um, Paul goes back in, in chapter 9, and he details his salvation, that Damascus Road experience where the Lord Jesus Christ himself struck him down, and, uh, uh, and, and he, uh, Paul rose up and recognized him, and, and Christ says, you know, Paul, or Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? Why kickest thou against the pricks? And, and uh, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest, and how, how uh, Saul rose up and recognized the Lord, and how the Lord Jesus Christ converted him. He changed him. He transformed him, all right? Um, and, 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 and Paul has that testimony, and his missionary journeys are over, and he finds himself in captivity. You understand that this, this was Saul. This was Saul, who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, of the straightest sect of the Pharisees. He was a big man amongst the Jews and amongst the Pharisees, and, and he had been charged with actually persecuting, and I believe that that means in many cases killing Christians. 
And he used to be a big man among, a big man among them, and now they want him dead. The Jews want their former co-labor, their former big man, they want him dead. And Paul finds himself in the hands of the pagan Roman authorities, all right, because the Jews want him dead. You understand that the, the, conquering, the conquering Romans allowed the Jews to, have, to maintain some semblance of self-government and some semblance of, of all of their religious life. And the Jews want Paul dead, but they're not willing to kill him themselves. And so Paul finds himself in this house prison. He's in the prison of a pagan man, the Roman governor over Judea, a man named Felix. And Felix hears Paul's defense. He hears his testimony. He hears, think about this, this this pagan man, this, 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 this Roman citizen, how is he ever going to understand the religious reasons why the Jews want Paul dead? But Festus hears the story, or Felix hears the story. And he, he, he likes the story. And in fact, the Bible says that he trembled at the word that Paul spoke. All right? But he, but he says, you know, that's good. And I want to hear that. I want to hear some more of that. I want to hear that again. So I'm going to put you away, and I'm going to bring you back when I have a more convenient time. And so Felix is about to pass off the pages of Scripture, never to be heard from again. Almost persuaded to be a Christian, waiting for that, that more convenient time. And Felix dumps the problem of Paul onto his successor, also a governor over Judea, also a pagan Roman man. And this man's name is Festus. And Festus hears Paul's testimony. Pe- Festus hears Paul's defense. Why do the Jews want you dead, Paul? And he'll never understand the religious reasons why the Jews want Paul dead. And so Festus, confounded, all right? Brings in another man. This man, a Roman citizen, this man, a king over five small cities in Judea, but this man, a Jew. And now finally in chapter 26, Paul is going to be given an opportunity to plead his case, to make his defense, to plead his case in front of a judge who can judge righteously, who will understand the religious reasons why the Jews want Paul dead, because Agrippa's a Jew. And so in Acts chapter 26 and verses 1 through 3, Paul begins his defense. Acts chapter 26, verse 1, the Bible says this. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Thou art permitted to speak for thyself. And then Paul stretched forth the hand for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because I shall answer for myself this day before thee, touching all the things whereof I am accused of the Jews, especially because I know thee to be expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews, and wherefore I beseech thee to hear me patiently. See, Agrippa's a Jew. He's expert in all customs and questions which are among the Jews. And so now Paul relates his testimony. He tells that. He, he simply turns back and gives that testimony of that Damascus Road experience where the Lord Jesus Christ himself struck him down in the, in the Damascus Road uh, wrote how, how the Holy Spirit trained Paul for three years. You understand that Paul gives his testimony. And you take a look at verses 16 through 18, Acts 26, uh, verses 16 through 18. This is the Lord Jesus Christ himself commissioning Paul and sending Paul out to do the work that he has for him. Christ speaks in verse 16, but rise and stand upon thy feet, for I have appeared unto thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness, both of these things which thou hast seen, and of those things in the which I will appear unto thee, delivering thee from the people, that's the Jews, and from the Gentiles, whom I now, unto whom I now send thee, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light 
and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance amongst them which are sanctified by faith that it is me, that's in me. Paul is pleading his case. He's making his defense before this, this judge who can't understand. Verse 21. For these causes, this is Paul's defense. For these causes, the Jews caught me in the temple and went about to kill me. Here are the religious reasons why the Jews wanted Paul dead, he's saying. And in Acts chapter 26 and verse 22, Paul speaking again. Having therefore obtained help of God, I continue unto this day, witnessing both to small and great, and saying none other things which those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. None other things than those which the prophets and Moses did say should come. None other things than the prophets and Moses. That's the Jewish scripture. When Paul made his defense, when he explained about the goodness of God in his life, when he explained about, the, uh, about why the Jews wanted him dead, when we make our defense, when we explain about the goodness of God in our lives, when we defend ourselves, we use none other things than the, Moses, than, than the prophets and Moses did say should come. We use the scripture. When I defend myself, when I defend my faith, when you defend yourself, don't use fables, don't use uh, cunning arguments, don't use logic, use scripture. That's what Paul did. Verse 23, that Christ should suffer and that he should be the first that should rise from the dead and should show light unto the people and to the Gentiles. That's the gospel, that Christ should suffer and that he should show light unto the people and the Gentiles. That's the holy story. Verse 24, as he thus spake for himself, Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself, much learning doth make thee mad. See, truth is hidden from the foolish, and there's still no way that Festus is going to understand the religious reasons why the Jews want Paul dead. Truth is hidden from the foolish, all right? 1 Corinthians 1.18, the Bible says this, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Verse 25, But he said, Paul speaking again, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. You see, truth is hidden from the foolish, but it's revealed unto the wise. 1 Corinthians 1.18, again, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it's the power of God. It's the power of God unto salvation to anyone who will believe, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek. Verse 26, Paul speaking. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from them, for these, this thing was not done in a corner. You see, Festus, he knows. You see, Festus, he understands. Verse 27, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. See, in verse 1, Paul stretched forth a hand like the order. But in verse 27, Paul points the finger and said, See, Agrippa, I know, I know you understand. Verse 28, and then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I think that's one of the saddest phrases in the Bible. And I sat there in that bookstore, grabbed by that truth. But I was almost persuaded to be a Christian. You know, in the end, at the end of the chapter, Agrippa does rule righteously. He does say, hey, I can't find any fault with this man. And I would have set him at liberty if he hadn't appealed unto Caesar. But then Agrippa and Festus and Felix pass off the, pass off the page of the Scripture and into eternity. No, no record of their, of their conversion. And I believe into a fiery hell where they are conscious of this decision today to be almost persuaded to be a Christian. 
And so I found myself in that Barnes & Noble bookstore, almost persuaded to be a Christian, and I couldn't get to sleep that night. And I, and I asked the next question, and now I've got my answer. And I, and I woke up the next morning, and I, I, hadn't gotten, I still hadn't gotten saved, but I was under deep conviction. And I got myself off the church, and, and the pastor preached a, meeting, or, or preached a message that had absolutely nothing to me. I'm under deep conviction. And the pastor preached a message that had absolutely nothing to do with me had nothing to do with the gospel, and there I was, listening to a man preach a message about divine appointments. You understand, Christian, that a divine appointment is a God-arranged opportunity for you, Christian, you and you and you and you and you, to take that Holy Spirit that lives in your heart, to take that word of God in your hand, to take that story on your lips, and to go and do that thing that God has called you and left you here to do. And all I heard that morning was that you need to be saved. And that was the morning that I believed and the Lord Jesus Christ saved me that day. That's my testimony. Hallelujah. That's my testimony. Well, a couple weeks later, I find myself sitting in a, in a missions conference with that same pretty girl. And a brother gave a, a, a great invitation. I recognized that, that, that deep conviction that came over me at that invitation at that missions conference. I love mission preaching. Today, I love missions preaching. And I remember thinking to myself under conviction, I remember thinking, Lord, that's crazy. That's nuts. Why would anybody do that? Why would anybody leave LaGrange, Georgia, and sell their stuff, give the rest away, throw some stuff in the trash, and get on a plane and go someplace to minister where they don't know anybody, they don't know the language, and they're going to have a hard time? Why would anybody do that? Because that's crazy. And it is crazy, and I didn't get it right that night. But God is good, and he left me to be discipled by good men as a new Christian. And I came to the point where I was able to, to, to understand within a few weeks or months, I was able to say, Lord, it is crazy. But if you want me to do that, then I'll do that. And so by the time I got engaged to the pretty girl, about six months later, about a year later, I should say, by the time I got engaged to the pretty girl, we had begun to pray that God would take us to the foreign mission field. And in his wisdom, he didn't do it for a long time. Now, I understand that. And I was a novice. I couldn't have gone. I hadn't gone to Bible college. I didn't have the education that I believe that it takes. But I didn't have the, the spiritual maturity either. But then in 2013, at my own church's missions conference, I had left the ministry at PCC, and, and I was looking about, I was praying about being a missionary. I was also looking for a job, wasn't getting one. And, and I was uh, on the altar praying uh, right about here uh, at my own church's missions conference. My wife was at work. Uh, uh, praise the Lord, my wife's a nurse practitioner, and she had a job because we needed money. And uh, the Lord said, go. And I got down on my knees, and I, rem I actually remember the prayer that I prayed. And I, I said, well, Lord, this is crazy, but if you want me to go, I believe you want me to go. I believe you want me to be that guy, and I'll be that guy. I'll go. I'll go, Lord. I'll go. And uh, I stood up convinced, and I knew. And I got home that night. My wife wasn't there. Like I say, she had a job. She was at work. But she come home in the morning, and I said, sweetheart, <laughs> I, I believe God's called me to be a missionary. And God's finally called me. He's confirmed it in my heart to be a missionary, and I have to go. And she looked at me, and she burst into tears, and she said, me too. You see, God, God had brought us individually to that point of surrender together to go. And so now you see us now almost seven years later after all of this transpired. And God has been so good to us. He's, been, he's used you to be good to us. He's, uh, he's been so good to us. And so here we are we're on a furlough. We're, you know, our plan is to go back here after Mother's Day in May and uh, to go and begin the work of planting a new church in the capital city of Asuncion. But if we, and, 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 and I praise God for that, and I praise God for all that he's done, and I praise God for you, church. But if we don't do anything else here tonight, can I say this to the whole room, to everybody in it? Can I speak to you individually? If you find yourself here tonight 
and you're almost persuaded to be a Christian, if you find yourself here tonight wrestling with that simple truth that you are precisely exactly who the Word of God says you are, that's a sinner, but that he is precisely exactly who the Bible says he is, he's a God who loves you, if you've been faking it, if you've been wrestling, if you're almost persuaded, I, I beg you, surrender, believe, God will save you. You know, the principle is good for everything in your whole Christian life. If you're almost persuaded to be a Christian, be a Christian, believe. If you're almost persuaded to be a missionary, be a missionary, go. If you're almost persuaded to be a witness, to, be a te to testify for the Lord, then go and tell. If you're almost persuaded to give, then give. If you're almost persuaded to give something up, then give something up. You're almost persuaded, and I beg you tonight that you would get it right with the Lord. Get settled. Surrender. Give it up. It's true. He is who he says he is. Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you and praise you, Lord, for your goodness toward us. And I pray, Father, that this night, that this message would reach ears that need to hear it. And I pray, Father, that you would change hearts, transform lives, do that work that only that you can do. And we'll love you and give you the praise and honor and the glory for it in Jesus' name.